Good morning, friends. And uh, my name is Xavier Perrick, as Pastor mentioned. My wife Felicia here, and we are on deputation to serve the Lord in, in Siberia, Russia. Uh, anybody like cold weather? I know we talked a little bit about uh, snow with some, some folks this morning. Amen. Um, well, uh, where we're going to begin working in the city of Krasnoyarsk, Siberia, Russia, they have not quite had any snow yet this year, but they're on their way to colder temperatures. So I think it won't be long, probably within the next. Uh, Two to three weeks, they'll start getting their snow. Uh, but uh, they do have some, uh, they have four seasons, amazingly. They have uh, winter, of course, that's the biggest one. Um, it's, and then they have spring, summer, and fall, all between May and September. And then they're heading back into it. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's kind of a, a long process to uh, to go through the winter, but um, we uh, took a survey trip there in 2017 uh, in June and July on purpose, of course, just to try to start in the shallow end there and get used to uh, get used to the field a little bit. But uh, we're probably, Lord willing, going to be taking another trip either in February or in March for about a month, so we'll be able to really get the full experience this time. So we're excited, but um, but we're uh, we're sent from Bible Baptist Church in Grove City, Ohio. Grove City is on the southwest side of Columbus, right in the center of the state, if, you, uh, if you're familiar with that. But um, been in uh, North Carolina now for just a little over a week. I had another missions conference, and then here we come this way, and then uh, we'll head uh, out, of, out of town and out of state uh, later on today. But uh, excited to be with you all again today, or, or well today of course, but um, if you have any questions, uh, yeah, feel, please feel free to, to let me know, ask me, and um, um, we'll show, as Pastor mentioned, we'll show the video during the morning service, but the, uh, uh, the, the field is a very amazing place. There's, um, I, I mean, if you're like me that, you know, several years ago, I didn't think there was even anybody out there, and uh, I thought nobody lives there. They have, they had, you know, prison camps back there during the, uh, <laughs> during the Soviet time and all that, but uh, I mean, no, nobody lives there, but, uh, but actually, uh, strangely enough, there are many cities throughout Siberia and many, uh, many villages and small towns in between those cities. You may have heard of the Trans-Siberian Rail- Railway, and that's, um, and I, and that, it kind of along that route, um, it goes, I believe, all the way from Moscow all the way, all the way out to, uh, I think the final stop is, is a stop in North Korea. But it goes all the way through that area, and there, uh, many of the cities had built, uh, built up, and the towns and villages had built up kind of along that path. Uh, but it doesn't mean there's not people living in, in, in other places. There's always some uh, funny video, you know, online that shows somebody who was a hermit who lived out there for 70 years and never had any contact with anybody. And there's some of those too. So uh, there's a real, uh, there's a real mission field, and a lot of people that are hard to get to, but. We believe God's going to do a great work, of course, that uh, with the uh, situ- present distress in Eastern Europe, um, it's, become, uh, it's become a little more complicated to do, to do things. But uh, we're, we're still, uh, you know, by talking with a friend of ours who's working there in Krasnoyarsk, he's, uh, he's originally from Raleigh, actually, uh, and he's been there over 25 years, and we've uh, been in touch and, and uh, kind of just continued to check on the situation. I said, well, brother, I said, well, what's the situation now? He says, well, you know, there's still options. There, there's, the options are more limited, but there's still, there's still a way to get here and still a way to do the work. And so he says, if, if it wasn't possible, I'd be, I'd be coming home too. And I said, okay. So we're just going to continue marching in that direction. We are currently 79.75% of our support that we need. I like to use the decimal point. <laughs> but uh, we are almost, uh, almost done, and we're excited to get done, hopefully with deputation around the springtime. 
and then uh, we'll take a trip to Russia to apply for paperwork, as I mentioned, and to try to find housing. And then uh, about this time next year, we hope to get off the plane and begin working with our friend there, uh, so who's been there for a while. And so we're excited about that. We're excited for what the Lord will do. Uh, we really believe, especially with, uh, with everything going on right now in Eastern Europe, that there's going to be uh, a lot of broken hearts after all this and uh, that are going to need the gospel. And, they, of course, they need it already. And... Um, um, we were, I was talking with Pastor actually before service, there was, uh, there was um, last time I came to the area, I forgot to go by there, and I, I'm forgetting right now again too, but the uh, Russian Bible Society being so close by, um, they, I think them and some others that have tried to you know, produce scripture to, give, to get out to Eastern Europe, the, the struggle really has been, uh, which is a wonderful thing, that there's not enough supply to meet the demand. That's, that's, that's there for scripture and that's there for God's word to, to encourage and comfort the people and, uh, so that they could be saved. And so a uh, really wonderful thing. Um, you know, years ago I, I had a real fascination with history, and I still do, but I read a book called 30 Seconds Over Tokyo, and it was a really interesting book about, um, about bomber flights that went over Japan. Uh, before the war really got going in World War II, and then they, the, some of those pilots would crash landed into China, and they would find their way back to the to the U.S. kind of the long way. And one of the guys had found missionaries when he was there. And my assumption was that the fellow who was writing the book wasn't was not a saved man, but he said that he when he got to know the missionaries that were in China at the time, uh, he said uh, he says uh, well. Don't, don't missionaries read the Bible? He says, yeah. He says, oh, well, read me something out of the Bible. And he was able to do that. And it's amazing to think about missionaries being in a, a hard place where a lot of people probably wouldn't want to go. But we, you know, we really believe that when God's put that burden on your heart and when God's really communicated clearly to you, that's what he wants you to do, whether it's a hard place or not. Uh, we want to be, be obedient to the Lord. And uh, so we're, again, and we're excited for what God will do, but um, I'll, I'll explain a little bit during the presentation, the morning service, but the uh, Lord's really burdened our hearts for certain indigenous people groups. And so uh, within Russia, of course, the, the Russians live there and, and, and used to be that many Ukrainians live there. I'm not sure if they all came out right now, but, uh, but, they, uh, but, but beyond that, there's other, other European folks that would live in Russia. But it's amazing as you, as, as you look at those cities and the, the small towns and villages through Siberia and especially along the Mongolian border, uh, but other places as well, there's a lot of indigenous people groups. Within Russia, there are 185 ethnic groups uh, through the whole country, and that's an amazing thing to think about. But um, but many of them are, are, are indigenous in Siberia. Some of them, will, a lot of them, will herd reindeer. Uh, it's really, that's really an amazing thing to see. There's sometimes clips you can see that on, online. Uh, they, sometimes they'll live in yurts, which is like a round Mongolian home, or they'll some will even live in reindeer skin teepees in in negative 45 or whatever. It sounds like a good men's retreat right there. I don't know, maybe something we could we could try to schedule someday. But um, I guess before we get into the lessons, anybody have some questions offhand? We uh, and we can continue to take questions a little bit later on today too. If anybody have some questions about the field or the work. The country, yes, sir. Right. Yeah, they're pretty prevalent. Russian Orthodox is pretty prevalent through the entire country, even in even in the strangest, most remote remote places. There's there's very often, at least definitely in the cities and small towns, there are Russian Orthodox churches pretty much everywhere. And yes, sadly, the situation is they it's a it's a works based uh, teaching that they have. Uh, it's very similar to Roman Catholicism. The idea of 
uh, you know, praying to saints and religious rituals and lighting candles and all those things, and, and uh, that's what they really have their hope in, sadly. So, uh, but, um, but the good news is that uh, they can be saved, too, and we're excited to be able to share that with uh, the average uh, Russian person. I'm very much looking forward to getting beyond the, the, <laughs> the political discussions we may have, and, and I'm sure that they'll, they'll have suspicions and, and things, but we just really want to show them you know, our, our hearts for the, for the Lord and for, for you know, for their benefit, for them to be saved, and so, but that's definitely going to be something we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of, and uh, probably I would my my assumption would be that uh, that that's with with so much atheism that was in the country throughout the, the communist times, uh, the same person could be a, a believer in Russian Orthodoxy, but could also be an atheist. So <laughs> we'll have some of that, I'm sure. But yeah, a lot of confusion. All right. Any other questions this morning? Well, uh, bike by the display, uh, there's a whole lot of things to see there and to uh, and, and some things to try on. Even my wife has some uh, some kind of ru- Russian headdresses and uh, uh, winter men's hats that you all can try on and take a picture together as a family if you'd like. And please feel free to come by and do that. It'll be a lot of fun. But uh, if you have your Bible, go, uh, go with me this morning to uh, Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And we'll look at verse 7 and verse 8. And this is up for me this week on my Bible reading is to get into, I'll be getting into Revelation. I'll be finishing hopefully for the year this week and uh, starting again, it's going to be exciting. So Revelation chapter three, verse seven and eight, if you follow along with me there, I'll read, says this, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. And uh, here, here in this brief passage, Jesus instructs John to write to a church, a real church, about some things, and there's a, it's a favorable letter. Uh, if you've seen, there's seven churches that John has to write these letters to. Uh, amazing things to see, so much packed into each one of those letters. But uh, you'll remember there are two churches that don't receive any negative uh, comment or, or anything like that. And uh, the other, uh, I believe, would be, I believe it's Smyrna. I'll have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure it's Smyrna. But uh, here we have Philadelphia got a really good, uh, favorable letter and some encouragement and seems to be a promotion, so to speak, that God has given to them. And so uh, we'll take a look at that here in just a few moments. So let's, let's, uh, let's begin by, by praying. Father, we thank you for this uh, great passage of scripture. Thank you for the encouragement that it has, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that we that there is the opportunity to have just this, the very same thing, uh, Lord willing. Lord, if you'll help us to be faithful to you. I pray that you'll meet with us this morning, encourage us. Lord, challenge us as, as to our service to you and help us, Lord, to uh, make the best use of the time we have uh, before uh, before you come back or before we uh, we go through that door of death. And we we just look forward to all that you'll do through uh, this ministry, this church, and in and, and, and the mission field of Siberia, God. I pray that you'll just continue to keep doors open for us to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so he tells them, verse 8, Behold, I have set before thee an open door. And uh, how would you like to be told things like, I'm going to give you room to operate freely? Or to say, we're going to give you a blank check. Wouldn't be so bad. Or enjoy yourself and send me the bill. Or all expenses paid, full scholarship. Those are exciting phrases. You know, a man is, uh, maybe you have a man who's been uh, unemployed and it's been almost a year and he can't catch a break. 
Or maybe a young person is trying to make plans for college but keep running into roadblocks. And 2008, a funny situation. I went to a military recruiter office twice, and the door was locked both times. I thought, well, that was strange. Um, I know God's will is different for everybody, but, uh, you know, these types of experiences can bring discouragement. But imagine an open door. Imagine for all the ministries that you have here, whatever, whatever they might be, uh, that if God would say to you, okay, you're in, you're in the bus ministry, this is your neighborhood. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna just be able to do all kinds of great work here. That'd be awesome, right? So uh, imagine that open door. Something that uh, we need to remember is that those types of situations uh, and, and that kind of freedom to do that, to do work and to get something done for the Lord is really in God's hands and not ours. And, uh, but let's see how this happened for those in Philadelphia. Verse 7 again says this, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, and no man, uh, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Now we must first recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord. Is he your Lord? Now that's the first and foremost thing we need to settle in our lives. And if you haven't turned to him for salvation from your sins and from the punishment of hell, which will be the punishment for every sinner on that day, justly, now if they don't, if they don't turn to Christ. And if you haven't turned to him for forgiveness, do so today. We have that opportunity. We have this day. My, pa- my pastor often says, you may have another opportunity to respond and trust Christ, but I know you'll never have a better opportunity than now. And I love that phrase, but... And Jesus Christ is wonderful. We see, uh, I, I love this, and I made a chart of this at one point to see how Jesus has um, described himself in each of these letters to each of these churches. Another place it says, uh, thus saith he that is, the, that is the amen, and that is true. That's wonderful. But he is, uh, he is sovereign, and the Bible says that right here. Uh, it talks about how he has all control and authority, and uh, that's, that's a wonderful thing to think about as we go forward in our lives, all the uncertainties. Remember, I said to a friend of mine one time, I said, you know, this is years ago, I said, there's so much that's so uncertain about the next couple of years of my life, and, and this is before deputation, it was long before all this, but, uh, but even more so now, right? But he said, uh, he says, you know, that's just following God, though. He says, uh, you know, we, we just don't know what's gonna, what he's going to do in our lives and all that, but he says, I, get, I just got excited, I decided to get, just get excited about it, wonder what he'll do. It's going to be good, whatever it is, and so that's wonderful, we can trust him. I hope you'll trust him, um, whatever, whatever you're facing in, in your life right now. You, we can trust him. But he is holy. The Bible says that right there. It says meaning he's pure and he's set apart and he's separated for a purpose. And he's true. Haven't we had enough, uh, enough false narratives going on in, in the world? Enough <laughs> false news, whatever you want to call it? I mean, where can you go to get any good information, any honest information nowadays, even an overseas source? I mean, we can't get it with true information. But thankfully, praise the Lord, we have his word. And we have Jesus Christ, and we can walk with him, and, and we don't have to be afraid of that. We don't have to be afraid of those things. But the Bible says also in 1 John, it says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. I hope that also encourages you. I remember uh, we were at a, a missions conference at a church in Texas one time, and the pastor says, we're, we're going to go out soul winning on this one day. Uh, and then another day of the week, I forget which day it was, he says, we're going go to go uh, to, to the town square, and he says, we, we, I call it, I, he goes, I call it a march for Christ. He says, we go around town square and we'll, we'll sing hymns and we'll, we'll do some open air preaching. He says, you ever do any open air preaching? I said, uh, no, but I'd, li- I'd be interested. 
And uh, so I had the opportunity to do that for my first time. This is about a year ago. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world would I preach on? But I got into, into my favorite, and my, one of my life verses, John 1 verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. I remember saying to the people, I said, you know, isn't, isn't your life dark enough? Isn't there enough darkness in our, in our world? We need the light of the gospel. We need the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise, praise the Lord, we, we have that in him. And I love reading the Bible and seeing how it describes Christ. It's wonderful. But I'm going to go out on a limb here this morning as we start the message and then uh, in the Sunday school hour that uh, two, two things I'm going to assume about this church and everybody here. Number one, that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, that you want to serve him. But if you and I are going to receive an open door for something, we need to get it from him. When it comes to our service to God, whether it be here at this church or in Siberia or in the Philippines or Cuba or wherever we might go to serve the Lord, we need the blessing and power of God for it to succeed. Only then can we bring glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember telling that, talking about this and preaching this in a chapel to other missionaries one time, and I said, you know, we're here we're about to go out and hang our lives out on something that we want to do for God. Will it succeed? Will it last? How do we know? I remember I was thinking about it too. I think it meant Siberia. If God's not going with me, it's too cold. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, one preacher actually, I was in a conference too. He says, you know, I, like, I wouldn't dare go to Russia unless I knew God something was going to do something. God was going to do something over there. I thought, wow, that's good. And Jesus said in John chapter 15, without me, you can do nothing. It's such an important thing for me to remember going into the, to the mission field. And each one of us, as we try to serve God in our respective ministries we have here at the church, or if we're just trying to go out and give tracts out and, and witness to somebody, we can't do that. We can't make it happen. But Christ, Christ and his power working through us, it would be an amazing thing to see. But imagine starting a new ministry here on the, at, at the church or planning a new church. Maybe a group of folks go out from here and plan a new church or do a Bible printing ministry. What, any kind of ministry, fill in the blank. That's the question again. Will it succeed? Will it last? Will God bless that? How do we know? This passage, I really believe, gives us three natural steps. And verse 8 says this. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength. Thou hast a little strength. Prayer is essential in ministry. Uh, I was reading a book recently, and, and it talked about, it was called Prayer First. And the, the man who wrote the book, he said, no matter what you're doing, he says, I'm not taking away from anything you're doing as, as a ministry, whether it's soul winning or anything else, but he says, you better pray before you do it. And one of the chapters on there, there were all the chapters were really short. One of the chapters said this, that prayerless preaching will eventually be disqualifying. It will disqualify the preacher. Wow. Have you ever been sick, really sick, so much so that, you prayed really hard about it. Now, sadly, this is often what has to happen before we will start to pray in our life and in our walk with God. Now, you and, he, you and I need to remember that we are small. Right, we get to thinking that we're big stuff. You know what happens when we're doing really good and things come easy? Very little prayer. And um, you know, here, here's where, that's, where we're, that's where we're at in America. We're not, we're not praying very much anymore. You know, we've, we've got... You know, we've got a number of reasons for it. Maybe excuses would be a better word, but, uh, you know, we've got money. Basically more than just about every other nation. And we can find what we need at any time, usually without leaving the home, right? Most of the time it's, it comes to the home. We can even grocery shop without going in the store nowadays. 
I, uh, I don't like to do that myself. I'm just, uh, I, it's a whole project. I like to understand how the store is laid out and do it all myself. It's like, a, it's like, a, it's like a, a project for me. I enjoy it. But, you know, I tried it once or twice. You pull up and they just load it in the car. Oh, man, we, we got it so good. But, uh, you know, praise the Lord for what we have. And I don't mean to denigrate what we have available to us. But, uh, you know, my pastor had said one time, he says, pray for our daily bread. He says, who does that? This is America. We just go out and get it. We've forgotten how much we need to depend on God for everything. You know, other reasons, we're, we're so distracted. We've got way too much going on in our lives. The cares of this world, often fine and good things, maybe not, even, not necessarily sin, but it's made us so busy that, what? I don't have time to pray. And uh, that's a sad thing. And, and uh, so many preachers have said, if you're too busy to pray and read the Bible, then you're entirely more busy than God would have you to be. But only when we are small can God be great. John chapter 3, verse 30 says, John the Baptist says, He must increase, but I, but I must decrease. In Zechariah 4, verse 6, it says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Here you had Zerubbabel and all the, 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 the folks that came back from, the, from captivity, and they were excited. Wow, God's going to let us rebuild the city, rebuild the walls and the temple. And uh, they might just kind of get to assuming, well, God's with us, and we'll just do this. And, and, uh, but, but then God tells Zerubbabel, he says, you know, it's not just because you, you got something going on right now, or that even the mighty nation of Persia has given you this, uh, all, this, all this that they will allow you to go do this. But it's only going to happen because I've, I've allowed this, and I'm behind this. And I'm with you, God said. And I love, the, I love, I love in the... In the uh, in the uh, Great Commission, Jesus says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. It's so important that we have God with us. But do you ever think about Christians in other countries? Let's think about them for a moment. They're our brothers and sisters. Do you think about Christians in China or in India? I often think that they probably look at America, American Christians and think, Boy, they are mighty for the Lord. But you know what the truth is? It's probably really the other way around. They really understand the weakness and need, and they live in a society that's against everything they love about the Lord Jesus Christ. And they know they need to pray. And uh, we're starting to see that, that our society is not exactly for everything that we want to do and for everything that we love about the Lord and his word. But, and so we're starting to understand, hopefully at least, that we need to get back to prayer and remember that we are weak, friends. Without prayer, we cannot see this kind of opportunity about the open door that we're seeing here for Philadelphia. Prayer is essential. And number two, it says, and, and thou hast kept my word. Okay, there it says again uh, in that verse. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word. Number two, God's word must be in the forefront. To keep, this, this word here says, thou hast kept my word, usually means to observe or perform or obey. But I, bl- I believe we also need to keep God's word close, close to us. You ever <laughs> get ready for church? Hey, anybody see my Bible? I think it's under the back seat of the car. Uh, we shouldn't be in that state, right? We should be, uh, we should be, we should be close, to the, close to the Bible. I often think about my fellowship with other believers and other men. I, you know, you've been around some people that they just, you know, just seem to have a verse to give you all the time for something you're going through. And it's like, man, I want to be that guy. I want to be the, the person that's able to, to, to give that verse to somebody who knows that, you know, they're struggling with something. And, man, I wouldn't have thought of that verse. That's a good verse. I need, needed that. Uh, but are you reading the Bible, and do you read it for your own sake, and do you read and study and memorize and meditate in the Word of God? 
Uh, I even woke up this morning, and this is not normal for me. I'm not, a, I'm not a normally discouraged person. I woke up this morning, and I thought to myself, I'm like, wow, I feel a little bit down today. And I decided, well, then open up the Bible, see what you find. And, uh, and it wasn't long before God picked me up again. And um, I hope you read it because you just love what you're going to find there. You ever get to the point where you just, you're reading a part of the Bible and you're thinking, ah, I don't know, this is not the most interesting part I've ever read. <laughs> there's, a, there's some wonderful things in the Bible. I think if, you, uh, if you're looking for something to find, if you're looking for some guidance for what to read, I'm sure that if you came to your pastor, he'd be able to guide you and, and help you out to find something. And if you really get to the point where you think the Bible's boring, I, I dare you to take, a, take an afternoon and read the book of Daniel. That's the most, it's most, one of the most exciting things I've found in the Bible to read. I, I love it. I love That's my favorite book. I have 65 other favorite books, but that's my very favorite one. Um, I've got a problem. Something's wrong with me. I love reading Leviticus. I hear people talk about how, oh, here it comes again. I'm like, I don't know. I just think it's great. I, I imagine myself being one of the priests. And, oh, this just, it's amazing. It's such adventurous things to read, but uh, the Bible's wonderful. You know, God has something wonderful for you there today in your reading. And it's amazing, no matter where you are, where, if, where, where you're reading through your, through your reading, there's going to be something that's going to be there that's going to help you that day, I guarantee it. And, uh, but just open it up and read. I'm sure you can find something wonderful. And, um, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, if we don't spend time in God's Word, I really believe that we will not do very much of anything for the Lord. We won't be as useful for Him, but I hope you want to be useful for Him. There's a friend of mine who uh, was a missionary, came to our home church there and presented, and it was wonderful. He, he, uh, my pastor says, whoa, he's got a prop with him today. He had his Bible, and he had, he had pulled out uh, from underneath the, 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 um, the pulpit at one point these giant channel locks, and they were huge. And he said, you know, I got, to, I got to wanting to use this one day, but it was so rusty. And he said, I, could, I couldn't, it wouldn't serve the purpose I needed until I had to go and work on it for a little while. And how he talked about how we need, to, we need to prepare ourselves, and then we can see God do amazing things through us, but, but only if we prepare ourselves. And that would challenge me. But, but I just want to encourage you, does the Bi- and ask this question, does the Bible guide your life and your decisions and your thoughts? Don't ignore it. Obeying the Bible can keep you from a whole lot of pain and heartache. And God has told us in Psalm 119 that his word is a light for our path. I don't know, do you guys keep, uh, keep night lights in the house throughout, maybe in the hallway or something like that? Imagine if, uh, imagine when we didn't used to have those things long, long ago. You get up in the middle of the night and you run into all kinds of things. I've done that. <laughs> you run into stuff. That's kind of like our daily life. We could get, when we get up and we get ready to go to work or go to school, wherever we go, and we get on that freeway especially, I mean, who knows what we're going to run into. It, it, it could be all kinds of, all kinds of things you know, could, could be in our path. Psalm, I believe it's 20, or Proverbs 27, verse 1, I think it says this, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We have no idea what's going to happen day by day. But thankfully, we have God's word that will guide us and we know how to make decisions and know how to, know how to really respond to what, what happens to us. I remember hearing this one time, one, one preacher, uh, I know he has said this, he says, it's not what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. And uh, we really won't know the Lord Jesus Christ very well without knowledge of his word. Of course, the, 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 the heavens speak of his handiwork. We know that from, from the Psalms. And we see great things in, 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 the, uh, in the creation. It tells us something about God. But we don't have the whole picture there because 
because of the fall and things have changed. But, but the Bible will give us the, the true picture of what, of what God is really like. I remember telling my uh, teenagers, I used to teach the teens in Sunday school back at our home church years ago, and, and I said, you know, we can get a good picture of God from creation, but it's not the full picture. And I said, imagine you pick a, a pick up rose, and you go to get a rose someday. I said, wow, God, there's beauty to God, surely. And then there's, ow, <laughs> if you're holding it by the stem. And I said, you could get the idea that, well, God can be pretty harsh too at times. Well, no. See, thorns didn't exist until the fall of man. Thorns and weeds. You ever go out to do your weeding in the garden? Man, that's an amazing. One, one of my unsaved coworkers that I used to work with, he, I said, well, I was trying to pick weeds out. And he goes, he says, weeds will continue to amaze you. He said, we put down rocks, we put down everything, and they just keep coming. And I thought, yeah, sure enough. And, uh, but that's, a, that, that's, that's, that's because of sin in this world. And I don't think he really understood that. But, but Romans 10, 17 says this, that, you know, as we talk about trusting God, it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, friends, being daily in the word of God is vital for our survival as a Christian. We need God's word to keep us spiritually healthy. And we're not going to be able to draw nigh to him without his word. You know, his word is so important. I, I, just, hope, I just hope we will day by day remember that and, and grow, grow in our love for God's word. We need it. Uh, you know, the, really, the Jews were told in, in the Old Testament, they need to have it up around them all the time. We need to have it, uh, and, and they'll wear this thing. I mean, maybe you've seen it before. They'll wear sometimes, and they kind of get the wrong idea here. They'll wear this thing that it has these little scrolls that are supposed to be inside of this, and they'll, they'll wear this on their head. I think the point was so that we'd have his word in our hearts, not just as a decoration. We need to have his word in our hearts. All right, number Number uh, so his having God's word at the forefront. Number number three says this in that same verse. It says, "And thou hast kept my word and has not denied my name." All right, we need to uphold the name of Jesus Christ. We uh, we're the only ones to do it. God's people, you know, the government's not going to do it. It's not going to be the universities that are going to hold up the, the word the word of God. Public schools they they got rid of it a long time ago. We're the ones that need to hold, uphold God's word. Now, if a church or a ministry will stand for Christ and preach and teach Jesus Christ, then he will honor that church and ministry. We see that in this verse right here. And, uh, there's a, but there's a disclaimer. We must do so accurately. We must worship the Father in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4 says that. John 12 verse 26 says this, If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. Now, the name of Jesus Christ is the greatest of all names we see in Philippians chapter 2. A name that is, which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Acts 4.12 says this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We need to keep that name before sinners. I got saved uh, at the age of 22. I was going to a public college there in Michigan, and uh, I grew up in a Roman Catholic family. And I just, I never really, uh, never really had, never really opened the Bible, never really heard uh, what the gospel was. I kind of just, just vaguely knew that phrase that Jesus Christ died for our sins. But I didn't, I didn't know that was mine, my sins, and that he loved me and died for me. And the uh, Lord gave me an, a wonderful opportunity. I had some, God put some men in my life there in the music school, and they, and they invited me to a Bible study. And I thought, sure, I, I probably should do that. I'll come to a Bible study. I mean, I yeah, I got a Bible, you know, and then they said, well, come, come, and we're going we're gonna to read out of the book of Hebrews, 
And I said, I, I don't know the Old Testament very well, but I'm, I had no idea about anything. But uh, I was so, so glad and, and thankful that they invited me. And, and uh, it's the first time I had the Bible opened up and taught to me. And, and uh, they said that, you know, the, he's died for sinners. Jesus Christ died for sinners, died for you. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm surely a sinner. And I didn't have any, any trouble understanding that. And they said, well, you qualify for a Savior then. And uh, so I was so thankful for that. I was 22 years old. And, and, um, but, uh, but before I was saved, I knew he was the Savior. I knew that to be true. It just, but there are a lot of people that have no idea about that. Could you imagine not having any, any idea about that or having no access to the Scripture? Could you imagine? We, go to, we often would go to a, bi, a you know, bookstore. We can find a Bible if we, work, if we try hard enough. Uh, you know, one, one guy was asking a missionary friend of mine, he says, so why you guys got to go all the way over there and, and do that work? He says, you know, there's a lot of places you could do that work here. And he says, well, there's, we, can, we can go into a, a Walmart somewhere or wherever, and we can, we can find a Bible for about $6. But he says, there's a lot of countries that you can't find a Bible, even, even if you tried. Imagine such a thing, but... We need to keep that name before sinners. As I mentioned, before I was saved, he knew, I knew he was the Savior. And so I want to encourage you, friends, let's take the time today and through this week and whatever it is and to continue to make his name known to those in our lives, whether it's family or friends or coworkers and neighbors, etc. We've got, we got, we got plenty of people. Uh, we, don't have to look too, we don't have to go digging too, far, too hard to find a lost person. I remember I used to wonder about that because we were going to go to Texas for missionary training school and I don't know, we just get to it thinking that there's certain parts of the country that there's probably a whole lot more Christians than other parts of the country. And I thought, I wonder if we'll find an unsaved Texan. But yeah, there's plenty of them. But I just thought, you know, I just thought everybody was a Christian. But, but I knew it wasn't true. But, but we don't have to look too hard. We could just, I mean, honestly, we just go, go up the street and probably find a, find a lost person pretty easily. There's a whole lot of them. But God wants his name to go forward. And he wants the gospel to go throughout this city and this, this state and the nation and to all nations and peoples. And it's really, it's the, only for, it's the only way for America to be saved. We like to see, hopefully, get our country on a better track, but even if they get on a better track, whether, whether things change or get better, the only solution for America that is racing off the cliff is for, the, for us to get the gospel to them, for them to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, in conclusion, I'm, I'm taking a couple things for granted about this church and about each person sitting here that you love the Lord Jesus Christ and that you want to serve him. And as we all go about serving him, it's critical we do that with certain few things in mind. And remember that we have a little bit of just a little strength and that, of course, prayer is so essential for us, for each one of us, for everything we do for the Lord. And we need to keep his word, okay, God's word being at the forefront of our ministry and of our lives. We need to uphold that name, uphold the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these things were the focus for them in Philadelphia. And I just want to encourage you, friends, let's not lose that in our lives, in our personal lives, and in our, in our church, in our ministry. And if that's true of our church and of our personal lives, then God will bless his word and open up great doors of opportunity for us to serve him. But remember, Jesus had John write to seven churches here in, the, in these couple chapters, but only one had that open door. That's an amazing thing to think about. Will that be your church and will that be your Christian life and your ministries and your own personal witness? It can be. 
I just want to encourage you. I'll, I'll mention this a little bit later when we present the, present the ministry in the morning service, but a couple of, couple of prayer requests we would have for, the, for our ministry as we go forward. First definite prayer request would be that God would keep that door open. We know uh, how strange things are in Eastern Europe and how difficult they are right now, but please pray first and foremost that God will keep the door open and get, give us opportunity to get in there. All right, that's, a, that's definitely the number one prayer request.